Welcome to our 143rd podcast and 113th as a city on a hill church. You're about to listen to the second part of our year-end prophecy update, and you'll want to fasten your seatbelts for this one. It's entitled Iran, Asteroids, and Armageddon, and it had me on the edge of my seat from the beginning to the end. And by the way, you'll want to stay to the end. It's a doozer. Just as an aside, most of what Pastor Mike will tell you about happened in the last week. Here is Pastor Michael Clark. Okay, so I have so much that I'm going to try and cover here today. Uh, We do have communion at the end, but this is the second part uh, of what I had planned to be a two-part teaching. We'll see how far I get here this morning um, with a year-end prophecy update. And if you weren't here last Sunday, I encourage you to listen to the message uh, because we looked at some end times prophecy and we looked at some of the headlines uh, and we see once again that uh, the Bible is predicting with 100% accuracy thousands of years in advance what the world is going to look like right before the return of Jesus Christ. And the closer we get to the return of Christ, we're now one year closer to the return of Jesus as we just started a new year, um, we begin to see more and more of these Bible prophecies come into clear vision, clear focus, and uh, we begin to see that these things are taking place, whether we realize it or not, right now, right before our eyes. I literally could probably do 10 different sermons from current events, matching them up with the Bible, that would blow your mind, but we're not going to spend we're not going to spend uh, that much time on this subject. We have to we have to to teach through the Bible here. But um, so this is the second part of a year in prophecy update that I have entitled "Behold, I Come Quickly." As we uh, look at and for the imminent return of Jesus Christ to the earth, I've entitled this message specifically. Iran, Asteroids, and Armageddon. Iran, Asteroids, and Armageddon, and we are going to move fairly quickly. So I encourage you to either take notes, jot them down and read them later, uh, or listen to the sermon uh, again. I also have some some news articles that I want to read just off the headlines in the last uh, several days about these events. We're going to begin in Luke chapter 21. In verse 9, Luke 21 and verse 9, Jesus says this, And when you hear of wars and disturbances, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end does not follow immediately. Then he continued by saying to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes and in various places plagues and famines, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. And so uh, this is kind of a starting point this morning. We read this verse also last week, these verses last week, uh, but it is interesting that Jesus predicted there would be uh, national uprisings, nations rising against nations. Nations. These would be tribal groups uh, um, within nations fighting amongst themselves, which you see happening all over the world. 
um, division and, and nations uh, basically turned against each other within themselves. And then kingdoms against kingdoms would speak of national sovereignty. Uh, you know, nations with boundaries and borders attacking other nations with boundaries and borders. In old times, it, they would have been kingdoms ruled by a, by a king. And so we see national sovereign nations attacking one another uh, uh, as well. And these things are increasing uh, along with all of these prophecies, increasing in frequency and intensity. And they will continue to increase with frequency and intensity. Wars, the rumors of wars, nations and kingdoms rising up against each other up until the very end, until the actual return of Jesus Christ where he comes back to the earth to set up his kingdom here on the earth. Um, war in the Middle East is especially referenced. Has anyone heard about possibility of war in the middle east in the last few days in the news (laughs) well the bible got that right too the bible predicted that the wars of the world will be centered on israel and around the nation of israel in the last days building up to uh, uh the battle of armageddon and the return of jesus christ uh, terrors, signs from the heavens. We we looked at this last week with uh, the new space force uh, that is being funded by uh, the Amer- uh, the American uh, government, and of course the space force. The money that's being allocated is supposedly to fight against Chinese satellites and Russian satellites and so forth. But it's very possible that that is a cover story. The whole idea of going back to Mars is very possibly a cover story to sell to the American people. Because the government knows that we are going to possibly, very likely, be hit by a very large asteroid uh, at some point in the future. As they get these telescopes out there and they get more information and data back, they have these computers running these accurate projections of these uh, near-Earth objects that are heading our way. Um, We're we're going to look at that again this morning. There's even more news on that uh, since I taught about that last week, actually. And so I'm going to share a little bit. Uh, more about that. The Russians are now spending money in space, uh, big money, in order to uh, uh, deal with a threat of an asteroid hitting the earth. They are very concerned. The Russians uh, are very concerned about this, and they're allocating their resources now uh, to try and either blow up an asteroid or to, or to attach something to it and change the trajectory of the asteroid so it does not uh, impact the earth. We're going to be looking at that here uh, again in a minute. In Luke chapter 17, if you just turn back a couple of pages, in verse 26, Jesus says this about the conditions of the end times. He says, For just as it happened in the days of Noah, Luke 17, 26, so it shall also be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and they were drinking. They were marrying and they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling. They were planting and they were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. So what is Jesus telling us here? If you read through the prophecies of the end times, and you could spend a lot of time studying prophecy in the Bible, probably one third of the Bible uh, as it is written is 
prophecy. When it was written, it was prophecy. Probably uh, 25% uh, of the Bible is prophecy that has not yet been fulfilled. Um, uh, one third uh, of, the, of the prophecies in the Old Testament were fulfilled by Jesus' first coming, but there's still two thirds uh, of the prophecies in the Bible that have not yet been fulfilled. They will be fulfilled at Christ's second coming. But in addition to all of these signs and wonders and wars and earthquakes and pestilences and disease and asteroids and all of these things uh, that, that the Bible predicted uh, would be the case, it's interesting that Jesus said it's going to be just like it was before the flood of Noah. People are going to be going about their daily lives like everything is normal. They're going to be marrying. They're going to be giving their children in marriage. They're going to be buying. They're going to be selling. They're going to be building houses and living in them. They're going to be planting crops just like normal, even though Jesus is coming back and the judgment of God is coming upon the earth and we're getting closer to that. But the fact is, is that we're oblivious to this. We, you know, we read the headlines, we see the prophecies, and then we go right back to work. We go right back to life. That's human nature. Uh, and Jesus is saying that's going to be one of the indications that you're living in the last days right before I return is everything's going to seem fairly normal until it's not normal anymore. Until people are running into the caves and the rocks crying out to the rocks to hide them from the wrath of the lamb who is to come. Uh, and the whole earth is burning with fire and the oceans are all the sea life in the oceans are dead and the uh, waters are, are poisoned. Uh, and, you know, the, it, the global warming, you talk about global warming, it's going to be so warm and so hot uh, during the Great Tribulation period. Revelation tells us that people are going to be gnawing uh, at their tongues because of, of thirst and because of the heat, and they're going to be cursing God because of the heat of the sun. So, yeah, the Bible even predicted global warming 2,000 years before uh, anybody even thought of that. Uh, this stuff is happening. The Bible predicted it was going to happen, and yet... Life goes on. Everybody just goes about their daily business. Hopefully not in the church. Hopefully the church is awake and the church is aware that we are getting ever closer to the imminent return of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 24, again, a parallel in the Olivet Discourse to uh, Luke chapter 17 and Luke chapter 21. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 through 8. He says, for you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for these things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. What does that mean? That's a clue to prophecy and understanding prophecy. Jesus tells us that these things, these signs, these events that are going to happen that are very specific things that are predicted in the Bible to happen in the last days are going to be coming like the labor pains of a woman ready to give birth to a child. That means that they are going to come with greater frequency and intensity. What do we see happening? We see these things happening around the world with greater frequency and greater intensity. Even the atheist scientists are telling us that this is the case uh greater frequency it's happening more often more intensity it's more severe and so as we get closer to the return of christ these of these events these signs are going to be coming with greater frequency and intensity like the birth pangs of a woman 
Now in verse 30, Jesus, uh, or verse uh, 29 rather, Jesus says, uh, but immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And so uh, we have celestial sort of signs that are going to be taking place that will be coming with greater frequency and greater intensity. Uh, and it will be like the stars are falling. That would indicate asteroids pummeling uh, planet Earth like no time before in our history. Maybe, maybe perhaps at the time of the flood would be the only thing uh, that would be comparable to what is coming uh, to the earth, stars falling from the sky, the sun being dark and the moon not giving its light. And, and, and it's going to it's going to continue. Last week, we looked at the asteroid Apophis, uh, and we also looked in the book of Revelation to show that there are specific prophecies of planet Earth being pummeled by uh, uh, celestial objects, near Earth objects that are going to actually collide with planet Earth. In Revelation chapter 6 and verse 12, I'll read this to you. And I looked, and he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. Now, when we see the governments of the world concerned that we are going to be hit by an asteroid, when the uh, director of NASA is publicly on record of saying there is a 100% chance of planet Earth uh, being hit by a large asteroid in our lifetimes, we just don't know, he says, we just don't know the where, when, uh, or exactly uh, what the result is going to be. But he said, we know with 100% certainty the Earth will be hit by a large asteroid at least one time in our lifetime. This is the director, the head of NASA is on the record of saying this. And so uh, we don't need the NASA director to tell us this. We have the Bible to tell us this. God told us this is going to happen in the last days. The stars are going to fall uh, to the earth and you're going to have uh, this tremendous upheaval uh, that is going to take place. The sun is going to be blackened out due, no doubt, to the fires and the smoke and the ash. In Australia, these wildfires are burning so hot and so bad, they say that the sun is blackened. It's like, it's like nighttime in the middle of the day. The ash is choking them. Uh, you know, 500 uh, million animals, they believe, have been killed in Australia so far uh, due to these wildfires. And so uh, the sun is blackened like sackcloth. The moon turns to blood when you're underneath those fires and the smoke is above you and the ash is above you. This and these are the conditions that are going to increase with greater frequency and greater intensity as we get closer to the return of Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 8 and verse 7, we read, And the first angel sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Interesting. Have we seen an increase of, in wildfires around the world recently? Is that something everybody's talking about in the news here in California, around the western part of the United States, throughout southern Europe, now throughout Australia? Uh, yeah, 
And guess what? The Bible predicted that there would be an increase in fires, wildfires in the last days. This was written 2,000 years ago. And God is saying a third of the earth is going to be burned up. One third of the planet is going to burn up. A third of the trees are going to burn up. And all the green grass is going to burn up. Guys, it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. And it has nothing to do with what we do uh, as a population Uh, These are things that were written by God thousands of years in advance. And we should at least take courage as Christians knowing that God told us these things in advance. Verse 8, he says, The second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and one third of the ships were destroyed. So this now a mountain burning with fire is a description of a major asteroid impact hitting the earth. It would look like a mountain on fire that's going to hit the ocean, perhaps even the Pacific Ocean, which is approximately one third of the uh, planet's water uh, is, is the Pacific Ocean. So you have you have one third of the ocean is going to basically be destroyed by this asteroid or this mountain, which is burning with fire that's going to hit the sea. Verse 10, the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on the third of the rivers and on the springs of water. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded and a third of the sun and a third of the moon and a third of the stars were smitten so that a third of them might be darkened and the day might not shine for a third of it and the night in the same way. And so you have this barrage of asteroids that are predicted to hit the earth during the tribulation period. And it's just going to go from bad to worse to unthinkably worse uh, for the people that are here on planet earth at this time. In Revelation chapter 9 and verse 16, I want to point this out while we're here because hopefully we'll get to this later in the message. But Revelation chapter 9 and verse 16, we're told that there's a 200 million man army that travels over to the Middle East for the Battle of Armageddon. And it's listed as 200 million men. The number of the armies of the horsemen was 200 million And I heard the number of them. You know, when this Bible was written, there weren't even 200 million people on planet Earth. Certainly, they didn't know what the population of the planet was. Yet God knows everything and God showed John the future. And John the Apostle told us there's going to be a 200 million man army that's going to descend upon the Valley of Megiddo in Israel at the end times. And this is the Battle of Armageddon. Um, is there a country that could raise a 200 million man army from the east? The Chinese have boasted that they have 200 million men that are ready to fight. Uh, If you add the Indian uh, uh, population, uh, you have another billion uh, or so uh, Indians, two billion Chinese, a billion Indians. Uh, Between them, they make up about one half of the world's population. They could easily field an army from the east of 200 million This wouldn't have been possible at any other time in human history, but it's absolutely possible today. Uh, Have the Chinese been in the news about being interested in the Middle East, having their uh, fingers, uh, as it were, in the Middle East? We'll talk about that in a minute. Absolutely true. 
uh, the Chinese are actively militarily engaged today in the Middle East. Never have been before, by the way. Uh, in Revelation chapter uh, 16 and verse 12, we're told that these are the, the kings from the east. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the river Euphrates. The water was dried up of the Euphrates that the way might be prepared for the kings from the east. This is the 200 million man army coming over. They'd have to come across uh, the landmass of uh, this part of the world, crossing over uh, Iraq and crossing over the Euphrates River. Now, it is interesting that the Iraqis uh, have uh, installed a damming system where they now have the ability to dam up the Euphrates River. They could turn the Euphrates River off if they want to in northern Iraq. Uh, they could raise the, the dikes and, and, and they could cut off the water supply. And so even now, technologically, you wouldn't even need a miracle for the Euphrates River to dry up. Uh, they could push a button and throw some levers and they could dry up the Euphrates River. So all of these things are already in place. I told you I could do 10 sermons. I'm trying to get back to my subject matter here. Uh, there's just so much that is happening uh, today. And it just, uh, as we get closer to the return of Christ, it just gets clearer and clearer. Everything gets more and more clear. Now, regarding asteroids, we talked about this last week. I want to read uh, a couple of articles that uh, that I read this week after I taught about asteroids last week. And I don't claim to be a prophet, but I will tell you, I taught about uh, the earthquakes about a month before we had that 7.2 or 7.4 earthquake in Ridgecrest. If you go back and look at the sermons from uh, June, we did a teaching on June 7th or 8th, something like that, about what the Bible talked about is earthquakes coming with greater frequency and intensity and then we had a big earthquake about 30 days later. And it's not that I'm a prophet. It's just the Bible tells us that this is going to happen. And as we get closer to the end times, we're going to see this happening more and more often. So again, now we're looking at asteroids. The Bible talking about asteroids hitting the earth. What do we see in the news? This is from Fox News, uh, January 1st. The title is, Bus-Sized asteroid will buzz the earth at 18,400 miles per hour on Thursday. So this was just a couple of days ago on uh, January 2nd. Here's one extraterrestrial express bus you'll be glad you missed. An asteroid named 2019 AE3 will pass by the earth on Thursday morning, January 2nd. NASA says the space rock is between 32 and 71 feet long or roughly the size of a city bus, and is zooming through the cosmos at 18,400 miles per hour. Fortunately, the near-Earth object won't come too near to the Earth. The closest it's expected to get is four lunar distances, about one million miles at approximately 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. This event is set to occur just three days after five sizable NEOs or near-Earth objects flew by the Earth on the same day. The largest was taller than the Statue of Liberty and came within 3.1 million miles of the planet, while another similar in size to the 2019 AE3 practically skimmed us just 415,000 miles away. Now, this happened after we talked about, this is from after I taught on this last Sunday. We had a couple of really close near misses. And these are 
These are close shaves when you're talking about uh, asteroids that come closer than the moon to us or around the distance of the moon to us. Um, now, this is an article from um, Prophecy News Daily or Prophecy News Watch Daily. Uh, and the uh, author is Michael Snyder. And he's entitled this message, The End of the American Dream. And this was written on December 30th, 2019. He says this, when the Russians take decisive action, it is usually for a reason. The Russians have suddenly decided that now is the time to create an organization that will be tasked with detecting, tracking, and potentially destroying incoming asteroids. Are they doing this now because they finally decided that this is a good idea? Or has something gotten their attention? Of course, they're not likely to publicly admit if they've come to the conclusion that a gigantic space rock is heading directly toward us. Just like the U.S. government, the Russian government is very interested in maintaining social order. And so they would probably delay telling the public about a potential asteroid impact for as long as possible. According to Futurism, this new organization will be in charge of making sure, quote, they don't collide with the earth, unquote, quote, as part of the creation of a monitoring system and information support for the safety of space activities in near earth space. We plan to launch the Russian Center for Small Celestial Bodies, whose main task will be to detect and track celestial bodies approaching the earth, unquote, a senior official at Rose Cosmos told, uh, told the, the Russian nationally owned news agency Sputnik. Our solar system is full of potentially dangerous giant space rocks and a big enough impact could literally end our civilization. But why now? According to a British news source, this new organization will be evaluating whether it is better to quote, destroy celestial objects or steer them on to new trajectories and away from the earth, unquote. This could involve slamming a kinetic impactor craft into the rock or using a satellite to drag it onto a new course. Nukes could also be sent into space to blow up the rocks. In 2018, the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy released a new report titled National Near-Earth Object Preparedness Strategy and Action Plan. The 18-page document outlines the steps that NASA and FEMA will take over the next 10 years, interesting time frame, over the next 10 years to both prevent dangerous asteroids from striking the Earth and prepare the country for the potential consequences of such an event. Maybe U.S. officials have suddenly decided last year that having a plan for incoming giant space rocks was a great idea. And maybe the Russians decided that it was such a great idea that they should copy us. Or maybe both governments know something that they aren't telling us yet. Of course, the truth is that NASA has not even identified most of the giant space rocks that are floating around out there. For example, back in July, a very large asteroid came very close to hitting us. A 427-foot-wide asteroid whizzed within 45,000 miles of Earth on Thursday. While that may sound far away, 45,000 miles is what astronomers consider a close shave. 
it's less than 20% of the distance between the earth and the moon. Five times closer to us than the moon is. If that asteroid had actually hit our planet, it would have been the worst disaster that any of us have ever seen by a very wide margin. And according to leaked emails, officials at NASA only knew about it the day before it whizzed by us. Traveling at 55,000 miles an hour and measuring 426 feet by 187 feet, NASA only realized 2019 okay was coming 24 hours before it passed. That's another asteroid that almost hit us. Experts say that had it hit, it would have devastated an entire city like London with over 30 times the energy of the atomic blast at Hiroshima. So the truth is that we could be hit by a giant space rock at any time and none of us may have any idea that it is even coming. With that being said, there are a couple of enormous asteroids that scientists do know about that could potentially be major problems over the next decade. 2007 uh, FT3. Not much is known about this asteroid, but apparently there's a chance that it may hit the planet on October 2nd, 2024. In the case of 2007 FT3, Century reported that the asteroid could hit the Earth between the years 2024 and 2116. During these years, Century recorded a total of 164 potential Earth impacts caused by the asteroid. As noted by the monitoring system, there's a chance that 2007 FT3 might hit the planet on October 2nd, 2024, by the way, Rosh Hashanah begins on the evening of October 2nd, 2024. According to NASA, this asteroid would hit at a speed of approximately 46,000 miles per hour. And it would, create a crater, it would create a crater that's several miles long. Based on the data collected by Sentry, the asteroid has an estimated diameter of about 1,115 feet, which makes it almost as tall as the Empire State Building. The energy that will be released from the asteroid's explosion would be powerful enough to level an entire city as well as its neighboring areas. On April 13th, 2029, which, by the way, is a Friday the 13th of 2029, April 13th, 2029, it is being projected that the asteroid Apophis will pass by our planet at a distance that is 10 times closer to us than the moon. The following comes from Wikipedia. Quote, The closest known approach of Apophis comes on April 13, 2029, when the asteroid comes to within a distance of around 31,000 kilometers from the Earth's surface. The distance is a hair's breadth in astronomical terms. It is 10 times closer than the moon and even closer than some of our man-made satellites. It will be the closest asteroid of its size in recorded history. On that date, it will become visible to the naked eye from rural as well as darker suburban areas visible with binoculars from most locations. The close approach will be visible from Europe, Africa, and Western Asia, which means that they will certainly see it uh, in Jerusalem and in Israel which is always God's focal point when it comes to prophecy. NASA insists that it will not actually hit us, but other independent researchers are skeptical. 
Over in Russia, they are so concerned about this asteroid that they have, quote, developed intercontinental ballistic missiles that aim to destroy asteroid Apophis, unquote. It measures 210 to 330 meters or 690 to 1,080 feet in diameter. According to a Slate article by astronomer Phil Plate, an encounter with the Earth would mean, would mean not so fun times for our planet. Quote, it would release the energy equivalent to more than 1 billion tons of TNT exploding, at least 20 times more than the largest nuke ever detonated, unquote. Russian scientists have also warned that Apophis could have hundreds of opportunities to hit the Earth over the course of the next century. But for now, both American and Russian scientists are assuring us that everything is just fine and there's no, no reason to panic. Do you believe them? Maybe they're telling us the truth. Maybe there's nothing to be concerned about at all. But of course, both governments have a long track record of being loose with the truth and it wouldn't be much of a surprise at all if they weren't exactly being straight with us. So this is an article after I taught about this last Sunday. Th these two articles, and there's more, of course, that, that we could look at on this subject, but we're going to move on. Uh, interesting, watch, watch the skies. You know, Betelgeuse is, is uh, a star that's, that's either already exploded or that may be exploding. And uh, this is something that's also very interesting. We touched on this last week. It is in the uh, Orion constellation. It's one of the brightest stars in our sky. And now it's dim. You, you can hardly see it at the shoulder of Orion in the sky. And scientists are telling us that this star is dying or it's already dead. And it's likely going to explode or has already exploded. And it will be like having two suns during the daytime. We will have two suns. It will be bigger than a full moon at night uh, as we see the explosion of this star. And the scientists are very excited about this because we've never seen a star explode uh, in history before. Uh, this is the first time. Interesting that this is the first time a star explodes in recorded history. All these things are the first time in recorded history uh, that they're happening as we get closer to the return of Jesus Christ. Scientists are also very concerned about the, uh, the rotation of the earth on its axis. They say that the earth is wobbling in an unusual way. It is wobbling on its axis in a way it's never, we've never seen before. Many scientists are now predicting that we could have very uh, soon a polar axis shift where the North Pole spins to the bottom and the South Pole goes to the top, a polar axis shift. They say that this happens every several, several millions of years or hundreds of thousands of years or what, whatever their time frame is. But they say that they believe that the Earth is acting in a way that would probably predict that a polar axis shift is going to take place sooner rather than later. And that would be something else that nobody's ever seen in recorded history, a polar axis shift so on to war in the middle east was more war in the middle east predicted in the bible as a last days indicator absolutely as a matter of fact that's probably one of the greatest indications that we have in the bible of prophecy uh, of living in the last days is that there will be major conflict and uprising of war and nations in the Middle East. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 that for the people who were here at the time, the tribulation saints, I don't believe the church will be here at this time. I believe we'll be raptured before this happens. 
Uh, But Jesus says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by the armies, the Jerusalem is invaded and surrounded by armies, uh, flee uh, to the mountains and don't go back to your house to get your coat and so forth. So Jesus warns there's going to be war on Israel's uh, uh, land. There's going to be war in Jerusalem before he returns. In Zechariah, in chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, uh, we read this. And this is, again, a prophecy about the coming Messiah in the last days to set up his kingdom and to judge the earth. Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 2. God says, Behold, I am going to make Jerusalem a cup that is reeling to all the peoples around it. And when the siege is against Jerusalem, it will also be against Judah. And it will come about in that day that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will be severely injured and all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. Here's a prophecy that has not yet been fulfilled. In the last days, Jerusalem is going to be a a problem for the nations around it. Do we see Jerusalem as a problem city for the nations around it? You bet it is. Most contested piece of real estate on planet Earth is the Temple Mount. Three major monotheistic religions all want to be there and so forth. And so God predicted this was going to happen in the last days. And he says all the nations are going to come of the world are going to come and surround Jerusalem. Now that hasn't happened yet, but you could see the potential. In Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 1, the prophecy continues. Behold, a day is coming for the Lord when the spoil taken from you will be divided among you. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city will be captured and the houses plundered and the women ravished and half of the city exiled. But the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. And then the Lord will go forth and will fight against those nations as when he fights on a day a battle. This is the battle of Armageddon, which we have much more detail given to us about the battle of Armageddon, including the 200 million man army coming as part of the battle in the Valley of Megiddo uh, in the book of Revelation. But suffice it to say, there's a big war that's coming to Jerusalem that is predicted. Now, the interesting thing is the Lord himself is going to fight for Israel at this point. The Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fights on the day of battle. This is when Jesus Christ, the Jewish Messiah and the Christian Savior and Messiah is going to return to deliver the Jews from the Antichrist and from his armies. You could read about it in Zechariah chapter 14. Uh, But he does say in verse 5 of Zechariah 14, he says, Then the Lord my God will come, and all of his holy ones or saints with him. Verse 9 says, And the Lord will be king over all the earth, and in that day the Lord will be the only one, and his name the only one. This is the second coming of Christ. This is Jesus coming to judge the Antichrist, to save Israel, and to set up his kingdom that he promised that we pray for. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The church has been praying for Jesus to come back and his kingdom to come to the earth for 2,000 years. This is where this prophecy is fulfilled, that Jesus Christ returns to the earth to be the savior uh, of Israel and of Jerusalem and ultimately to set up his thousand year reign of Christ. 
Now we know as part of the battle of Armageddon, all the nations of the earth are going to be here. We also know that there are 200 million men that are coming from the east. Revelation 16, 12, we already looked at that. And Revelation chapter 9, 16, the only nation that could field a 200 million man army on planet earth today is of course the Chinese military. And uh, we wonder, uh, are the Chinese operating today in the Middle East? Are the Chinese actively building up a major war machine to threaten even the United States of America? Absolutely true. Absolutely true. 30 years ago, you couldn't have said that. 50 years ago, 100 years ago, or any time in history, you couldn't have said this. But you could certainly say it today. The Chinese are the number two economy in the world behind the United States. They are the number two military in the world behind the United States. They are actively involved and engaged in getting a piece of the pie, a piece of the action today in the Middle East. As a matter of fact, we just saw last week that the Chinese participated for the first time in history, the Chinese Navy participated in joint naval drills. First time in history, the history of the world, the Chinese, the Russians, and the Iranians, which we'll talk about Iran in just a minute, the Chinese, the Russians, and the Iranians all got together for joint naval drills uh, over there by the Middle East. Uh, and this is, this is a first. This is the first time in history these three countries have allied themselves uh, together like this and, and are showing uh, unity and, and strength and power against the United States and Israel. This is a Newsweek article from 12-30-2019, so just this last week. The title of the Newsweek article, Iran warns the United States its Middle East dominance is over after naval drills with Russia and China. The commander of Iran's Navy has warned that the U.S. has no business in the Middle Eastern waters after his forces held joint naval drills with Russia and China. Rear Admiral Hossein Kassandi told reporters Sunday that the four-day exercise in the Indian Ocean and the Gulf of Oman, which, by the way, is, is where uh, one quarter to one third of the world's oil passes through uh, the Gulf of Oman and the Strait of Hormuz. And so they're doing these drills where all of the world's oil uh, is exported from this place in the Middle East. Was dubbed the Marine Security Belt, and it was a signal to the U.S. forces operating in the region. Quote, today the end of the American free action in the region is over, unquote. Kazandi said, according to the Iranian Tasnim news agency, quote, they must leave the region gradually, unquote. The joint drills coincided with an attack on American forces in Iraq suspected to have been launched by an Iranian-backed militia. The rocket attack on an Iraqi military base on Friday killed one American civilian defense contractor and wounded four American service members. In response, the U.S. conducted airstrikes on Iranian-backed forces in Iraq and Syria. Khanzadi said Sunday that U.S. forces were not needed in the region. Quote, regional countries themselves can ensure security together. The presence of Americans only creates insecurity in the region, he added. The rear admiral suggested that Iran's friends would be reassured by the exercises while its adversaries should take the drills as a warning. He also said that he hoped more regional nations would join future Iranian exercises. Quote, we believe that maritime security definitely needs collective action. Unquote. 
The Gulf of Oman is separated from the Persian Gulf by the Strait of Hormuz. Around one-fifth of the world's oil passes through this strait, making it a key strategic location and a dangerous flashpoint between Iran, its neighbors, and U.S. forces, which are deployed to the region. Beyond the Gulf of Oman lies the Indian Ocean, which provides important international trade routes to Asia. The U.S. has established the International Maritime Security Construct based in Bahrain to help secure the strategically vital waterways in the region. The initiative was launched after multiple tankers were attacked in the Persian Gulf. American officials accused Iran of being behind these attacks as well as a sophisticated strike on a key Saudi Arabian oil infrastructure. These incidents prompted the White House to send thousands more American troops to the region to guard against Iranian aggression. Now, the Chinese are right there in the midst of this, and so uh, the Russians and the Iranians also uh, participated in this drill. Now, does the Bible, do you think, have anything to say about the nation of Russia and the nation of Iran uh, being involved in war in the Middle East in the last days? Coincidentally, yes, it does. The Bible predicted that Russia, Iran, and Turkey would be allied together in a confederacy. Again, for the first time in history, these three nations uniting with some other uh, nations there around North Africa and the Middle East, the Bible predicted 25, 2600 years earlier that this was going to happen in these last days and even specifically names these nations as being participants. In Ezekiel chapter 36, we read this, Ezekiel chapter 36. And again, Ezekiel was written probably um, 550 years before Christ. So this is a 2,500-year-old prophecy at least, maybe closer to 2,600-year-old prophecy in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 36 verse 17 says this, Son of man, when the house of Israel was living in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. Their way before me was like the uncleanness of a woman in her impurity. Therefore, I poured out my wrath on them for the blood which they had shed on the land because they had defiled it with their idols. Also, I scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed throughout the lands according to their ways and their deeds. I judged them. When they came to the nations where they went, they profaned my holy name because it was said of them, these are the people of the Lord, yet they have come out of his land. Verse 21, but I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations where they went. So God predicted that the Jews would be driven out of the Holy Land, which they were in 70 A.D. and ultimately 132 A.D. It was illegal uh, to be a Jew in the Holy Land. You had to leave. And they were dispersed throughout the whole world for almost 2,000 years until 1948 after the Holocaust when the nation of Israel was reborn. God predicted that this was going to happen uh, thousands of years in advance. He was going to scatter the nation of Israel to all the nations of the world and disperse them as a punishment for worshiping idols and offering human sacrifice uh, in their land. But that's not the end of the story. Verse 24, God says, For I will take you from the nations. I will gather you from all the lands, and I will bring you back into your own land. 
Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. You will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness, from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You will be careful to observe my ordinances and you will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers so that you will be my people and I will be your God. So God predicted he was going to disperse them out of the land of Israel, uh, which he did so in 70 AD and ultimately completely in 132 AD under Emperor Hadrian, the Roman emperor. Uh, And then he says, I'm going to bring you back to your land, which is what he did in 1948. And the Jews are now back in their homeland in fulfillment of these prophecies, exactly as God said it would happen. In Ezekiel chapter 37, the next chapter, verse 11, we have the dry bones prophecy, which is a resurrection of the nation of Israel from the dead. Then he said to me, Ezekiel 37, 11, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up. Our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God. Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land. You will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it. Now, it is interesting that the vision that God had showed the prophet uh, was a valley of dry bones. In verse one, he says it was a valley full of bones. And he caused me to pass among around about and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and lo, they were very dry. And God said to me, son of man, can can these bones live? And I answered, oh, God, uh, thou knowest. Now, when you see the pictures of the Holocaust and you see the pictures of the human remains, carcasses, of millions of Jews stacked like cordwood on top of one another. Is it possible that God showed Ezekiel a vision of the Holocaust, the dry bones of the nation of Israel? This is the whole house of Israel, nothing but a pile of dry bones. And asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? Is there any way a nation could survive what the Jews went through under Hitler and that wicked regime in Europe? Is there any possibility that this nation can survive and come back into its homeland after they were annihilated, obliterated? Hitler said he wanted to exterminate the Jews uh, like a cancer, like uh, a plague from planet Earth. And he was almost successful in doing that throughout Europe. He wouldn't have stopped in Europe. He would have gone to the rest of the world to find all the Jews and kill every last one of them. That was his stated goal. Can a nation recover from this? Is there any way these bones can live, Ezekiel? And then he said, prophesy to the bones. And he says, I am going to resurrect these bones. And these bones represent the whole nation and the house of Israel. We see all of this happening, guys, in our lifetime. This was written 2,550 years ago. And God is showing the prophet the future and saying that when it looks like it's at its worst, after I dispersed my people throughout the world because they've defiled my land and you see the nation of Israel like a pile of dry bones, that's when I'm going to do the greatest miracle. I'm going to resurrect the nation of Israel and I'm going to plant them back in their own land. Very specifically, God says this. Very specifically, this is what has happened. 
Now, now uh, prophetically, after, after this happens, Ezekiel 36, I'm going to disperse you among the nations and bring you back. Ezekiel 37, the nation of Israel is going to look like a pile of dry bones. I'm going to resurrect the dry bones. They're going to become great again and powerful, and I'm going to put them back in their land. You turn the page chronologically to Ezekiel chapter 38. Chronologically, after this happens, the dispersion, the holocaust, the uh, planting and the resurrection of the nation back in the Holy Land, the next thing that happens prophetically in this prophecy is that Israel is invaded by Russia, Iran, and Turkey. In Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse 3, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I'm against you, O Gog, Prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you about. I will put hooks in your jaws. I will bring you out and all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them splendidly attired, a great company with buckler and shield, all of them wielding swords. Persia. Persia is another name for which country, class? Iran. Iran has only been a nation called Iran since 1979. Before that, all of human history, they were called Persia. And they were actually a friend of the Jews. Persia was always a friend to the Jews. Always, until uh, the revolution, the Islamic revolution, and the Shah was pushed out, and the Ayatollah came in and established an Iranian Muslim uh, caliphate, basically, and, uh, and Sharia law and so forth. And, and so uh, Persia is mentioned here, which we know is Iran, as being part of this invading army. We know that Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal represent the armies from the north, the furthest north from Israel on a map. If you put a map out flat, is the land of Russia. So we know that the armies from the north are the Russians. We know that the Persians are the Iranians. They're allied to attack Israel after Israel's been put back into their land after the Holocaust, after the long dis uh, dispersion. He says, Persia, Ethiopia, and put with them. These are other nations. All of them with shield and helmet. Gomer, which is uh, uh, Gomer with all its troops. Put is actually Libya. Uh, Beth Togamah from the remotest parts of the north with its troops and many peoples with you. Beth Targama is modern-day Turkey. If you look at a map of when this was written and you see the landmass, who was Beth Targama today? It is the land of Turkey, the nation of Turkey. So we know for a fact that at least those three nations plus uh, Libya will be allied against the Jews at this time to attack them. It says, be prepared. Prepare yourselves and all your companies that are assembled about you and be a guard for them. And after many days, you will be summoned in the latter years. When the Bible talks about the latter years, it's talking about end times prophecy, the last days for planet Earth. In the latter years, you will come into the land, this is Israel, that has been restored from the sword, whose inhabitants have been gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel, which had been a continual waste, but its people were brought out from the nations. They were living securely, all of them. God just gave us thousands of years of history in one sentence of the, the Jewish nation and what they experienced. They came back into the land, restored from the sword. They've been gathered from the nations to the mountain of Israel. It had been a continual wasteland before the Jews came back. All true. They're dwelling securely today. They're one of the strongest militaries in the world, certainly the strongest military in the Middle East. They're dwelling very securely today. Whenever you're in Israel, you feel very safe, actually. Uh, feel safer in Jerusalem than you do in the east side of Bakersfield uh, on the weekends. So, because God watches over Israel. 
So he says, you're going to come up against them when they're living securely. You're going to go up. You're going to come like a storm, verse 9. You're going to be like a cloud covering the land, you and all your troops, many peoples with you. Thus says the Lord God, it will come about on that day that thoughts will come into your mind. You will devise an evil plan. You will say, I'm going to go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will go against those who are at rest that are living securely, all of them living without walls, having no bars or gates to capture spoil and to seize plunder, to turn your hand against the waste places which are now inhabited and against the people who are gathered from the nations who have acquired cattle and goods and live at the center of the world. Sheba, Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish with all its villages will say to you, have you come to capture spoil? Have you assembled your company to seize plunder, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, and to capture great spoil? So what is the motivation for Russia, Iran, Turkey, and Libya of invading Israel? It's clearly for financial gain. They want some spoils of war. They're coming for money. They're coming for loot, for booty, for spoils. They're coming to Israel. Now, is there anything in Israel that would be of value that the nations of the world that are just holding a joint naval exercise right around the corner that the world powers might be interested in seizing? Well, coincidentally... Israel has just began production of the largest oil and gas field uh, in the whole area in the Mediterranean Sea called the Leviathan Gas Field. This is an article from Reuters. Israel's Leviathan Gas Field begins production. Company, uh, this is December 31st, guys. This just happened last week. (laughs) All of this is in the last week. Every article I'm quoting from today is in the last seven days in the headline news. This is Reuters, December 31st. Israel's Leviathan gas field begins production. Companies, uh, Israel's offshore uh, Leviathan natural gas field has begun production. The companies running the project said on Tuesday, after numerous delays, pushed off operations in the past weeks. Leviathan is Israel's largest gas field. It's controlled by Noble Energy, Delic Drilling, and Ratio Oil. The delivery of gas from the project will effectively double the amount of Israeli-produced gas, the company said in a statement. The field's discovery in 2010 helped turn Israel into a potential energy exporter. The project's partners have already signed major multi-billion dollar export deals to Egypt and Jordan. Gas exports are expected to begin in the coming weeks. So Israel is not only now Uh, independent of needing to get natural gas from other countries, Muslim countries, they can supply their own needs. They are now going to be an exporter, not just into Jordan, not just into Egypt. They are working to build a pipeline into Southern Europe as we speak to sell gas to the Europeans. Well, guess who sells gas to the Europeans right now, guys? The Russians. Europe gets half their natural gas or more from the Russians even to this day. You think the Russians might be threatened by this? The biggest oil field in in the history of the Mediterranean Sea is now going to challenge their uh, monopoly. That they, I mean, guys, this is all just lining up. And I'm barely scratching the surface of my notes here this morning, but I am literally out of time. I'm on overtime here with the sermon. So we'll, uh, I guess we'll pick up. I guess I'll do one more message here. We'll pick this up next week. Guys, pray.
Prophecy is one of the things that everyone is interested in. Not just you, not just me, not just the church. Everyone's interested in this. So I encourage you, listen to this message again. Share the link. We've had almost 500 downloads of these sermons from our podcast in the last 30 days. Almost 50 in the last 24 hours. When you add YouTube, we have probably 250 views on our YouTube channel in the last 30 days. So, guys, people are interested in, in the Word of God. They're interested. This is interesting to people. They want to know what's coming. They want to know what to believe. And so, utilize uh, this message. Utilize this information. Listen to it again. Talk to your friends and family, co-worker about it, co-workers, and share it uh, online. Share the messages online. Let people listen to it if they want to, because it's coming. This is coming. It's like a freight train that's left the station uh, or, or unscrambling the omelet. This is happening. It's not going to be undone. Things are going to continue to uh, uh, get worse and worse as we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ. And we know that we are safe in his hands. We're not worried. We don't fear uh, because the judgment is coming upon the people that have rejected Jesus Christ and accepted the Antichrist. That's what this tribulation period's all about, not for the church. Uh, Jesus took our wrath. There's no condemnation for us. Uh, we're under grace. And so he's going to come and take us home before it really gets bad. But there's going to be a lot of people still here on planet Earth, and this is information that God wants us to share with others. So may God use you this week to share uh, this exciting information. Scary, but it's also very exciting uh, because Jesus Christ is coming back soon. Amen? God bless you. We all want to thank you for listening. If this message has blessed you, as we all pray that it has, send the link to this podcast to your friends. Working together, we can get Michael's teaching of the whole of God's inerrant word to all those who hunger to hear it. If you would like to see this ministry expand to reach even more of the broken and lost, if you have questions, comments, and prayer requests, email us at coahpodcast at gmail.com. We would be honored to pray for you, as we hope you are praying for us. Good day and God bless from City on a Hill Church to Hatchapi, California.